Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease this is your moment your time to shine your comeback you're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect so you're not just going back to school you're coming back with purdue global backed by purdue university one of the nation's most respected public universities purdue global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu. Here's my shoulder for you to lean on when everything is going wrong. And here's my Welcome to Really Good Shares. I'm AJ Delario. In this podcast, I want to expand the definition of recovery and talk with people I want to learn from who have valuable insights into how to get better, even if they haven't figured it all out yet. You'll hear a mix of interviews, newsletter reflections, and storytelling contributions about making it through hard times. And also, you'll hear some music from legendary soul singer Swamp Dog. This episode is about shame, public reckonings, getting yelled at by Oprah, the Hells Angels, and how to survive a bad moment that feels bigger than you can handle. We're talking with author James Fry, one of the first people I called when I got out of rehab. When I was there, a couple people had mentioned that A Million Little Pieces was their favorite addiction memoir. The book sold 5 million copies and was neck and neck with Harry Potter on the New York Times bestseller list. Here's Amazon's blurb for the book. At the age of 23, author James Fry woke up on a plane to find his front teeth knocked out and his nose broken. He had no idea where the plane was headed nor any recollection of the past two weeks. An alcoholic for 10 years and a crack addict for three, he checked into a treatment facility shortly after landing. There he was told he could either stop using or die before he reached age 24. This is Fry's acclaimed count of six weeks in rehab. So it makes sense that a million little pieces would appeal to the 20-somethings I was in rehab with. When you're lost and you feel bad about yourself, you attach yourself to people or characters that make you feel less alone. Even if James's story wasn't exactly their story, it was close enough. 
James knew what it was like to seriously struggle with drugs and alcohol and come out the other side. And when you're stuck, it can be tough to believe that there actually is another side. The way he wrote about the grief and guilt of really recovery really resonated with people. Like, this is what it feels like to stop using drugs and alcohol when those are the only things that make you feel good. I'm pretty sure that's what made a million little pieces sell. But it had some help. In September 2005, Oprah Winfrey made a million little pieces her book of the month, which as an author is pretty much like hitting the Powerball. To say Oprah's praise was effusive would be an understatement. She was gasping through the interview and told Fry that her and her staff were up late reading various passages. And just like that, million little pieces went from a success to a phenomenon. The only problem was maybe it became too successful. In January 2006, the website The Smoking Gun published an expose about how a million little pieces was riddled with lies, fabrications, and embellishments throughout the book. One of the lies that stuck out to people is the scene at the dentist, uh, the one where James described getting his broken teeth fixed without any anesthetic, the reason being because he was in rehab. Uh, Of course, that didn't happen. And there were plenty of other details and stories that had been made up. So some people who read the book felt betrayed. Four days after the smoking gun piece, James's publisher was forced to put a disclaimer at the beginning of the book, and they offered refunds to any readers who felt deceived. The subsequent pile-on was swift and merciless. Oprah brought James back on the show and destroyed him. I, I don't know what is true, and I don't know what isn't. So first of all, I wanted to start with, with the smoking gun report titled The Man Who Conned Oprah, and I want to know where they write I think most of what they wrote was pretty accurate, absolutely. But did my rehab friends care if the book wasn't 100% true? Nope. James still knew what it was like to be an addict. The book spoke to them, and that was that. I don't think they even knew about the Oprah scandal. I never read a million little pieces. But James Fry's impact on my recovery was immeasurable. He actually changed my life. You see, after the Oprah scandal, years before I went to rehab, James and I became internet friends. It was one of those weird, casual things where I just wanted to keep in touch with an interesting person. Um, We'd have coffee whenever he was in town. Sometimes I thought our interactions were his awkward form of penance, especially when I became editor of Gawker in 2012. I mean, other past Gawker editors were notoriously hard on lying author James Fry. But... As I got to know James better, I realized he's come to terms with how the scandal changed him and how he's perceived. We talked about that a lot for this episode. Yeah, I lied. I did. I acknowledge it. I accept it. I took responsibility for it. I thought it would probably be over at that point, but it just kept going and going and going. After some quick Googling, I counted 20 articles in major publications about the Million Little Pieces scandal. And in fact, if you straight up Google James Fry liar, there are hundreds of articles spanning a decade. One of the most amusing moments is from The Daily Show's Moment of Zen, where Jon Stewart uses this two-second clip of Oprah's audience audibly groaning when James skirts a question about how truthful his memoir actually was. It just makes sense. Here it is, your Moment of Zen. You said that that was true. Would you say that today? I, I, I wrote it from memory. 
I. <laughs> At one point, he was the literary it boy, but 2006 was the year that James was a full-on pariah. Excommunicated from the literary world, dropped by his agent. He was a writer in exile. James told me that after Oprah, he would get emails every day from strangers telling him they hoped he died and that they hated him. But James was also getting just as many emails from ex-addicts saying this book had saved their lives. What a weird time. Amazingly, he got through it all. I mean, he's written so many books since then, including several bestsellers. He founded his own company. His career and his life expanded. The fabrications in A Million Little Pieces didn't undercut the larger truth. That James is a guy who had drugs and alcohol ruining his life at a young age. He got clean and captured what that felt like. He's been sober for 28 years now. And throughout the controversy, when anyone who was struggling reached out to him, James tried to help. And that's why I wanted to bring James on, to talk about how to accept the life-changing moments that may outwardly seem terrible and unconquerable. So there I was in Florida in rehab with that girl who loved a million little pieces. But then I checked out, and I still had a million little pieces on my mind. When I was out of rehab, I, I realized I didn't know anyone who was sober, except James Fry. So I texted him, not sure of what to say or how he'd respond. It's like, hey, man, this is AJ Delario. So this is random, but I just got out of rehab, and I thought you might be a good person to talk to about that. Let me know if you have any time to talk at any point this week. I remember when you reached out to me, I was very surprised. There were complicated feelings about, frankly, you and Gawker. But at the end of it, you were a drug addict and an alcoholic who was reaching out for help. And, and when somebody does that, I believe that you need to respond. And so I did. James called me that night at eight or nine. We spoke for 20 minutes and he ended up referring me to a friend of his who became my first AA sponsor. My relationship to James changed. He started checking in with me regularly. He texted me to see how I was doing and if I needed anything. I was pleasantly surprised at how important lying author James Fry was becoming to my sobriety. And then it became more important to me. The whole Kogan trial happened and I achieved my own level of public disgrace. If you Google my name, there will be plenty of articles and major publications talking about how I was ruined or how I'd ruined Gawker. And if you want to hear more about all that, you should listen to the Emma Carmichael episode. It's our first one. If you haven't been dragged in the media, it's pretty intense and disorienting. I felt like my ears were always burning. And when I felt like a pariah, there were many people giving me advice who had no idea why I felt that way. They would tell me things would be okay, like I was a kid who'd had a nightmare without having any idea what I'd experienced to begin with. It's like, like I was being eaten by monsters. I mean, couldn't they see that? Like, I, I, I would be okay? It wasn't exactly gaslighting. They just couldn't relate to the feelings I was having. And that's always frustrating when that happens. But James knew. He checked in with me and he reminded me that he was there for me no matter what. This would pass, he said, even if it felt like it never would. James didn't make me feel like a pariah. As he put it, you're now part of a very special club. And he told me how he first started thinking that way. 
About six months after his own scandal, he was still being vilified, still dizzy from all the torment, and he found very little support in America, so he needed a break. Eventually, James found his own unlikely cheerleader and even more notorious outcast. Right when Oprah blew up, I went to France for a while with my wife and child just to get away from the media. Um, and when we came back, I went to see Sonny Barger with the film director, Tony Scott. And at the time, I was writing a film version of Sonny Barger's autobiography, It's Life and Times of the Hells Angels. Um, and Sonny's the founder and, and has always been the head of the Hells Angels. And I went to visit him in Cave Creek, Arizona, where he lives. And, and the day I got there, we were sitting out on his back porch and it was very picturesque. The sun was going down over the desert and, and Sonny sort of looked over and he's like, how you doing? I was like, yeah, it's been an interesting six months. And he said, well, you're one of us now. I was like, what do you mean, Sonny? He said, you've been kicked out of polite American society. You have been kicked out and you will never be allowed back. And you should accept that for the rest of your life. This shit will follow you. And I sort of nodded and, and said, yeah, you're right. And, and he smiled and said, it's better on this side of things. That sounds a little cinematic, but that's not the point. The story was one of the first things James told me, that my role in the Gawker trial will follow me around forever. And I should just accept it. The point is, now there is a public version of me that nobody liked. A version that was still being punished that would always be disgraced. In September of 2016, six months after I left the Florida courtroom, I got a call from one of the attorneys with what she presumed was good news for me. Gawker and Hulk Hogan had finally settled. But there was no instant relief. I didn't feel settled. And when I got this phone call, I was actually meeting with James. He and I had breakfast in Los Angeles. I was still depressed and angry. I felt like everyone else in the lawsuit had gone home and was moving on with their lives. But I was stuck. I was haunted, really by resentment and by guilt. I couldn't imagine a day when I wouldn't feel bad. Or actually, I'd forgotten what feeling good felt like. James could tell I was spinning out. He simply insisted I eat some eggs. It was just one bad day, he said. And it was, but there were more bad days ahead. There was a book being written about the trial. There were articles in Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, and Esquire. And once it was revealed that Peter Thiel was bankrolling Hulk Hogan's lawsuit, movie scripts started popping up. Each time something more absurd or unreasonable happened to me in the aftermath of the Gawker trial, I'd call James to bitch about it. And he'd inevitably share something more absurd or unreasonable that happened to him in the wake of the Million Little Pieces scandal. It was kind of this weekly routine. These things would pop up. I'd get angry. I'd call James. I'd tell him another article had come out, and he'd say, just one. Because you know who's more powerful and influential than Peter Thiel and Hulk Hogan? Oprah. James had really been through it. And when something calamitous or life-altering or just upsetting happens, it's hard to resist the urge to just relive that day over and over and over again just to wallow in self-pity and just do nothing else. So what you're about to hear blew me away. James had told me that Sonny Barger story before, and I, I felt good when I heard that, but it, it, this story is something that helped me immediately. 
It'll be one that I take with me for the rest of my life. I asked James how he handled it when one of the most powerful and influential people on the planet publicly shamed him. It was the day after the second Oprah show and I came home and Oprah called me to see if I was okay. And she first asked me if I was going to hurt myself. And I sort of chuckled and I was like, no, I'm not. She was like, are you sure? And I said, listen, yesterday was a bad day, but I've had vastly worse. And then she said, what are you going to do next? And I said, I'm a book writer. I'm going to go write some books. And just her asking that question to me at that time, I thought to myself, yeah, that's what you're going to go do. And honestly, I, I also let some of what was said about me motivate me. I said, all these people think I'm done. I, re- I, I saw or heard a thousand times I was done. I was like, nope, I'm not going to let myself go out this way. I'm not going to accept that this is the end for me. I believe I have more to say, more books to write, more things to do, more friends to make, more life to live. But I decided it wasn't going to be productive for me to, 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 to continue to focus on it. What was going to be productive for me was to continue to focus on how I wanted my life to be moving forward. What kind of writer did I want to be? What kind of friend? What kind of husband? What kind of father? What kind of person to other drug addicts? And I devoted myself to those goals. And I devoted myself to being the best person I could be in the pursuit of those things, understanding that I am not perfect and that I am a a constant work in progress. Talking with James, I realized I spent most of my life reacting to situations that made me uncomfortable reacting poorly. After the Hogan mess, I wanted to reply to every single tweet, every single article, anywhere I felt like I was being treated as less of a person and more of a character in the news. I was trying to rewrite the public version of me, and in doing so, I neglected the real me, my real life. There's kind of this natural auditing process when you get sober. Like, some people disappear, just darken and fade. But then... There are others. Bottom line is you can be a drug addict. You can be a criminal. You can be an alcoholic. You can be a liar. But those can all be past tense. As soon as I started to accept the bad parts of my life and the bad parts of who I was, that was when things started to change. A lot of things I thought I'd lost were not things I needed. They were just the things I needed to let go of. So next week, we'll be on the other side of this present tense. Talk about therapy and authenticity. We're talking to Court Jefferson about that time he lost his mind on the Emmys. See you next week. Here's Swamp Dog. Fare you well, 
Shares is hosted by me, AJ Delario. We're produced by Julian Weller, Jackie Huntington, and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Lindsay Hoffman. Our theme music is Everything You'll Ever Need by Swamp Dog. In this episode, Swamp Dog covered Broke Down Palace by The Grateful Dead. Our executive producers are myself and Julian Weller. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikader and Bethany Macaluso. Thanks again to James Fry. And if you liked what you heard here, once again, check out thesmallbow.com. That's bow as in bow and arrow. Cool. We'll be back next week with Emmy Award winning TV person, Cord Jefferson. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.